Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks for joining in for another great episode. You've heard me say this before, but if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode, leave us a review, and also share the show with a few friends too. Today, you're in for a real treat as former NFL fullback Danny Vitale joins me to discuss how his time playing in the NFL influenced his decision to get into the financial advising space. And we also talk about some tips on how to really move the ball when it comes to growing your business and to prospecting. Danny also shares some insights on the sacrifices that he and other NFL athletes have had to make when it comes to the profession of being a pro athlete. This is an episode you definitely want to tune into. You ready? Let's go. Danny, it is great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us today. We both live in the same area and I got to see you for coffee just a few weeks ago and we talked about having you come on the show. So I'm excited to have you here with us. Are you ready to move the ball? Oh, let's do it, Jen. Thanks for having me. Oh, for sure. Looking forward to our conversation. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about where do I want to start off the conversation to really set the tone for the episode. And there's so many places that I could kick us off at. And oftentimes when I have guys like yourself on the show who have recently completed your NFL career, we jump into football first. But I'm going to do something different today. So one of the things that has helped me to be a successful podcast host, but also just be successful with my brand and throughout my career was bringing conversations forward that are different and that really drive critical thinking too. So we're a few months into 2023 now. And as you look back on the first quarter of the year, what are some of the things that you've learned about yourself? And secondly, what are some of the things that you're focused on for the rest of the year? Oh, yeah, that's great questions to start off here. You know, obviously it's weird kind of coming from that athlete perspective where you're just go, go, go all the time. I've kind of realized now here in the last year and a half or so with slowing down and learning how to detach myself from situations and think critically rather than just act on everything right away, not on impulse, but act right away. So that's something I've kind of looked at here over the last year that I've really improved And a lot of that is being a father and a family man as well. Now that I don't have football as an outlet, it's finding other ways to really like step back and use other things as an outlet for myself now. So that's something for sure I think I've done over the last year. In terms of what I'd like to do moving forward here, I think my family is the most important thing in the world to me and something I take very seriously. I come from a great family. Being able to take care of my family for hopefully many generations, not just my kids, but hopefully future grandkids down the road, hopefully many more generations of Dan's after that as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about kind of my my family name a little bit. But having moved into this newer career that I'm in now, 
I have a big opportunity to be able to do that. It's always important that we take a time out and we do some reflection and thinking on what have we learned about ourselves, where are we looking to go? And so that way we can be more intentional with the time that we have each and every day. And something for me this year, especially, is I'm really looking at how can I help others to move the ball and make things happen. And I get to do that on the day to day with my corporate clients and the professional athletes that I get to work with and my real estate clients. But even with the podcast or any content that I put out, I want to make sure that we're driving value and helping people to be more intentional about how they spend their days. Because as you know, I mean, it's really your habits, your practices that you incorporate on a daily basis that determine the outcomes that you want and that you have in life. And so when you look at the things that you do to be successful in your current business, and we'll talk about what it is you're doing right now, what are some of the things that you do so that you can be more productive each and every day? This is something I obviously kind of had while I was playing football. And I think it's a big reason why I had success in that as well. And then it's something I've obviously carried on into the rest of my life and almost every aspect of my life, not just my careers, but most people who have success say that they have is an incredible work ethic. I grew up, I'm the son of a CPA. During tax season, I watched my dad my whole life up at two in the morning, getting home at eight o'clock at night and doing it all over again during tax season. But he still found time to take care and make time for his family our family. I think I learned my work ethic from him, even though I used it in a different manner through sports beforehand. I think I learned a lot of that from him. And that's something I truly value that I learned from my father growing up was just pure hard work and work ethic. So that's something for sure. I would say one thing that I've always valued as well, and this goes along with, I think, inspiration from my father is educating myself, not only just at an elementary level, but further studies, further education is something I believe is incredibly important. So again, I'll reference my father, who is clearly a big influence in my life. I remember going on family vacations, which we never went on family vacations because spring break was always tax season. You know, I remember going to Disney World and my dad would have CPA magazine sitting there right while he's flying on the plane, not working, but he was so invested in educating himself on something he was so passionate about that that inspired me as well, you know, to be a student of the game when it came to football. And now in what I do in finance, studied at Northwestern, I did economics, studied economics there and got my degree in economics. But now taking that to the next level, what can I do to further myself educationally in my career now? Going after the CFP, the CFA, those are things that I'm looking to do in the future to really move the ball and take myself to the next level there. For sure. And you bring up a really great point. It's about being an expert in whatever field it is that you're in. So when you played football, it was being a student of the game and understanding not just your position, but the bigger picture and what was at play. When it comes to the business world, you're in the financial services space and being an expert in investments and opportunities in the markets, those are things that are important for your crap for your dad as a CPA with the changes in the tax laws. I have a master of law in tax. So I'm very familiar with the tax code. And during tax season, I do all of my family's taxes. So that's the extent of my tax practice. But I do get to keep current on the tax code through those activities. And then, you know, as a real estate agent, and just as a branding expert, it's really keeping apprised of what's going on in the real estate area that I serve here in the Barrington, North Chicago land suburbs. And also when it comes to helping people navigate 
their careers. What's hot in the job market? How do you attract those opportunities? What are trends? And so no matter what field you're in, I think it's important that you always stay a student and you're looking at learning more and more about your craft so that you can bring better value to the people that you're looking to serve. Absolutely. And I think that last point there, I think you nailed on the head where my thoughts were going, which is adding value for clients and those around you. My number one motivator for doing that from an educational perspective is that I can bring more to the table for my clients, for these people, which in turn, I think will ultimately lead to more success, right? And in your career. Absolutely. And I mean, you want to be seen as the expert, as the resource, as someone who is in the know. And that's whether you are in the services sector or you're a corporate employee too. Like you want to be known as the go-to person for X, whatever X is in your field of practice. And so I think it's so important that we're always carving out time each and every week to be looking at how can I learn a little bit more about the domain I'm in so that I can bring better value to the table. So let's talk about how you got into the financial services space. So you hung up your cleats and decided it's time to figure out what's next. Why did you decide financial services, wealth management? Sure, absolutely. I'm kind of recapping quickly here, but you know, my old man is a CPA, loved what he did. I knew very quickly and very early in my life that I did not want to be a CPA, even though I respected the work he was doing. I knew that wasn't for me, but like my father, my brain kind of works similarly, I think, kind of always knew. I was going to go into some realm of finance and I didn't know what it was going to be when I went to college, but I knew it was going to be something in that world. So, you know, like I mentioned, I studied economics at Northwestern, loved it, had great professors there, had a great experience and did very well. Also minored in business as well. And then you go from that, I graduated in three and a half years so that I could go to rookie mini camps because at the time, I think they kind of changed the rules a little bit, but you weren't allowed to go to rookie minicamp if you hadn't graduated and you didn't redshirt and you didn't have enough courses yet. So I made a huge push to graduate early and the draft happened and I was fortunate enough to get drafted and, you know, hadn't really thought about specifically where I wanted to go in finance until my career started winding down and I knew it was winding down. And I had one specific experience that I think kind of sums it up very well why I went the, the direction I went. You know, so just on a high level, I was basically, hey, when I am done, I can go be an investment banker and work a ton of hours and make corporations a bunch of money and get rewarded for it. Or I can go more of the client facing route, which is what I really like to do. I like to help people. That's something I'm passionate about. And one experience in particular I had was actually very early in my NFL career. I'll maintain some anonymity here for the person this is about, but I'll never forget when. This young rookie came in when I was in Cleveland for the Browns and he showed me, he was like, Hey, Danny, here's a picture of this Rolex I'm going to get. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, very low draft pick. The position he played was not valued as it had been in the past in earlier days in the NFL, you know? So I didn't see him having a super long career, even though it's a a great time being there. And I told him, I was like, Well, how much is that going to cost you? And he's like, Well, this is the lower end one. It's going to be $18,000. And I remember sitting there and telling him, Hey, like, Do you know what a 401k is? Do you know what the NFL benefits are? And I remember having a conversation with him about the NFL benefits program and how, hey, you can put that $18,000 into the 401k. The NFL will match you two to one up to this number. That's just free money for you that grows tax deferred. And I was not an advisor. I was just a second year NFL player, but I understood the benefits and I took time to look at that. And I told him, do that instead. If you do that instead, I want you to show me 
in three years, what that number looks like in your account. And then come talk to me again. I wasn't sure we never talked about it again until the day I retired. I got a text message from this person and he said, Hey, Danny, thank you for the motivation we shared together on the field. Have a great time in retirement. And he sent me a picture and it was actually his balance. And, you know, that ultimately for me was a huge catalyst when I got that message from him into all right, I'm going into being a financial advisor. I can help a lot of people because there are a lot of people who need it and will value that service. Oh, it's a great story. And it's about really making an impact on someone who had no awareness on this benefit, a 401k plan that had a matching component by the NFL, which a lot of employers do, by the way, for those listening. So I think a lesson too for people that are listening is make sure that you're looking at your 401k to and contribute and take advantage of that match because it's free money as well. But I think it's so important that you were able to guide your colleague here in saying, hey, instead of blowing this money on an expensive watch, why not invest it and take advantage of another program that we're afforded as NFL players as 401k and the match and use your money to work for you to make more money instead of just blowing it on a watch? I think it gets overlooked quite a bit. You know, when you look at the NFL, NFLPA and things like that, I think people like to look at it as just big business. But one thing I came to learn pretty quickly is that the benefits they provide to players are pretty awesome. They have capital accumulation plans. They have an annuity they basically just fund for you. They have HRA insurance plans. There's player performance bonuses. I mean, you name it. They have so many resources available. If you want to go back to school and get your degree, get your bachelor's degree, you can pretty much get that covered. If you've already gotten your degree, they'll give you money to go try and get your master's. So it's there for you if you're willing to invest in yourself and you know take advantage of those things. So that's something I think a lot of guys overlook and maybe people from outside the NFL don't realize is there for a lot of NFL players. The, the big mistake I think a lot of people make is going with advisors or people trusting the wrong people or investing in things they just don't understand. The NFL, with the way they set up their benefits, there's ways for you to protect yourself, which I think is pretty important as well. Oh, for sure. A couple of things you made me think of. One, I mean, the NFL offers a wide variety of different programs, to your point, that players should be looking into, especially we talked earlier about education and always continuously learning in whatever field it is you're looking to go into. And there's a very generous tuition assistance program that the NFL offers. And I've had a number of players that are rookies that have reached out to me saying, hey, what do you know about this program? Because it is such an important thing that you can take advantage of. And I mean, to those that are not in the NFL that are in corporate America, you all have benefits too through your employers. So if you're thinking about education, whether it's a degree or just getting some additional classes under your belt on something, find out what your employer offers in terms of education benefits. I mean, a lot of people uh, listening to the show know that I have seven degrees. People always like, will think when they meet, well, why'd you get seven degrees? Did you not know what you wanted to do when you grew up? And no, the reality is I worked for employers that fully paid for four of my degrees. So because I knew that that benefit was available and I love to learn. And so I thought, you know what, why not leverage this? That the company's offering it to employees. So why not take advantage of it? So I would highly encourage those listening, look into your educational resources through your employer. If that's something that's of interest to you, it's free money. Yeah, absolutely. Once you have those designations, like you've learned it, that's you. You can carry that with you to your grave now. 
for sure. And so since we did talk about finances and your dad's a CPA, I will just say, just a caveat, that sometimes those education benefits, there is a tax component to it. So depending on what you're doing with it, you might get taxed. Consult your CPA or tax preparer if you have questions about that. So just wanted to throw that out there because I don't want you to be like, oh, well, Jen said I should do this. And then you have a tax bill. So just do your diligence and see what might be taxable. But again, it's a free benefit that a lot of employers offer. So at least look into it. Now, Danny, one of the things that you talked about earlier was your work ethic, and that's really helped you to be successful both in football and out. A lot of times there are things we have to do in our career that are not the fun stuff, but we do it because we know that's important to be able to be successful and to move the ball. So in your new career as a financial services advisor, financial advisor in service-based businesses, it's great to have referrals, but we do a lot of prospecting too. And prospecting is not always so fun or there's a lot of work that goes into that that is a grind. But you have to do it. You got to do that work to be able to build your client base and continue to dominate in your career. And so when you look at prospecting, what are some of the things that you do to prospect new clients and what's worked for you that you might share with other people here that are in a similar type of space where they're in a business that they have to do some type of prospecting to grow their business? Prospecting is very difficult. I think one of the difficult aspects of My job in many jobs is being told no, and that happens quite a bit, which can be very discouraging. One thing I've really found, at least prospecting-wise, that has worked well for me is, A, like reconnecting with people first. Don't just go talk to people about business right away, unless they have a legitimate need and are looking. So you need to reconnect with them first and find out exactly what they're looking for and why they took your meeting in the first place. If they're just trying to throw you a bone... That's okay, but at least find that out right away. Another thing I think as well is finding your niche and where you can provide an extra level of expertise. For mine, obviously, it has to do with athletes, but it's expanded into other fields and other opportunities where I'm at least able to connect it to, like, just as an example, private business owner sells their business. They've worked hard for 20 years on it. Now they've sold it big liquidity event, I say, you just basically signed an NFL contract. That's your signing bonus that you just got. You worked so hard for so many years. You just got a ton of money thrown at you. What are you going to do with it? So right away, I'm able to say, hey, I've kind of been in those shoes. So finding some common ground there has also helped me with, you know, approaching my niche. I think that's very important. A couple of things. One, reconnecting with people. At the end of the day, we're all human beings. And so developing a connection with people outside of the business context, it's not just about business. It's about connecting as friends, as colleagues, as people, and then the business relationships come as there's a need. But that's not the first thing that you try to connect with because people get so turned off by that. Secondly, you talk about finding your niche and what is it that is your thing that can connect with those people. I really like your example about, hey, you've got this liquidity. It's like signing your bonus. You know, I've been there. And so it's really what are the bonds? What are the points that are going to connect you with that prospect? So that way they'll have the trust and the confidence that be like, you know what? Yes, I think, Danny, you're the one for me. I like how you're tying our situations together in that we've gone through similar things. Let's talk some more about what can you do for me? And then it's all about the differentiated value that you bring. But it's really about connecting and finding your angle. Like what's the pitch, but not in a pitch way. You've got to know how you're going to sell yourself in a non-aggressive way to be able to get that prospect to become a client. You can be salesy, but it, it won't come off salesy. 
if you show the human connection first, like you show, hey, I, I'm providing you a service and here's why I do what I do, which is why I think it's important to connect with people first, rather than just go in guns a blazing and say, buy this product, this, you know, hedge fund where we're doing this. I think it's really important. That's why I think it's important to connect first and why that piece of prospecting is important. One other thing I've tried, and I kind of tried it just for the sake of trying it was cold calling. Spent a couple months, like maybe two months just seeing, hey, how does this work? How do people get business from this? And I think it's very tough because you you kind of immediately are trying to sell somebody. And not a lot of people are ready to trust somebody right away off of one phone call, even if they have a need. Worst case scenario, they never decide to do something with you and you feel like you've wasted time, but you really haven't because you've learned how to prospect more effectively, more efficiently. And hopefully you've at least made a connection with this person. And you bring up a really great point because there's a gentleman by the name of Ryan Serhant. Those who might watch the million dollar listing shows might know who he is. He sells in New York, but he has a book called Sell It Like Serhant. And he talks about the importance of following up, following through and following back. And so he talks about how just staying in touch with people, they might not be a client today, but if you continue that relationship in the future, they might come. And he's talked about how it might've taken years and years and years, but then he got, now he does very high dollar real estate. So he's talking about, you know, he got a $17 million deal off of this client that he started talking to five years ago. Well, that's great. Just keep the relationship going. You never know when the prospect might become a client or they might refer you. They might never be a client, but they have a network. And so they might refer their friends or colleagues or family to you as well. So it's important to not lose sight of just the initial conversation and the lack of that turning into a transaction and really just continue to follow up and create relationships and maintain them. So just another thing I think to add to your point that is really important, I think, is like finding common ground, how you approach the conversation, like what you say to them. Don't waste people's time. People's time is valuable. If you come off too salesy in the beginning and you try to sell people right away, I mean, you're just, they're going to see right through you. So that's something as well. I think it's very, very important to connect and put yourself in their shoes before you do anything. For sure. No, that's a great point. Nobody likes to feel like they're being pitched and have an aggressive salesperson and people want to feel like you're respectful of their time as well. So I, I think it's a great technique is to put yourself in the shoes of your prospect and think, you know, how would they want to be treated? How much time are you taking of theirs? And you want to just be respectful of that because if you were on the other end of that, you want to be treated the same way by someone who is trying to get your business. Absolutely. There's a thing, my partner at work, one thing that he has said many times that really resonates with me is, you know, eventually your book of business will represent you. So you want to work with people that, you know, you feel already kind of represent the book of business you want to create. And eventually when people look at your book of business, they're going to say, that's the guy Dan is, that's the guy I I'm looking for as well. So you want your book to represent you as well. So you want to work with good people. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like that. So dad, we're going to take a quick break and then we come back. I'm going to ask you some more questions about your football career and we'll get into our two minute drill. Do you feel like it's impossible to stand out when searching for your dream job? The truth is, it is possible to get a great new job and not settle during this time of economic uncertainty. To do this, LinkedIn must be a part of your playbook. With over 700 million users across the globe, LinkedIn is a great way to expand your professional network, grow your brand, and position yourself for that job you really want. 
I'm so confident that LinkedIn will be a game changer for you like it has been for me. I've created a free LinkedIn checklist with tips and strategies on how to make your profile stand out. You can download it by going to www.thenextfirstdown.com and clicking there. I'll also send you emails with winning tips and strategies on job searching, interviewing, and resume writing to help set you apart from the competition and land that dream job. Now, back to our show. All right, Danny, we are back. What I want to do is let's do our two-minute drill first. I'm going to ask you some fun questions, then we'll talk a little bit more about football. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Hardworking, intelligent, ambitious. Next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? I think a lot of people don't know that I was a gymnast when I was very young. And I I actually attribute a lot of my athleticism to that, even though I was very young. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company? And why? I think the sport. And my main reason for that is a little bit of that comes down to some intangibles and not everybody can do that. Whereas I think a lot of people have at least an opportunity to be a billion dollar CEO. (laughs) What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Well, I'm always listening to your podcast now. I just listened to the one you did with, you know, Detroit football players. Well, and John Sirsani's podcast, 2000% Raise, who I believe you just had on as well. As far as books I'm reading, I read The Richest Man in Babylon every year. It was a gift from my dad when I turned 18. Very easy, simple read for everybody, but it's just something I read every year. And another one I read every year as well is Dream Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin, which were two very, very decorated Navy SEALs. And can't give too many details, but someone in my family also is very ingrained in that culture. So I'll kind of leave it at that. Great books. And we'll have links in the show notes for people to check out those books as well. It's all about learning. So I love to have that question where people share what are some of the books that they're checking out too. All right. Next question is, if you could have any song played at any of your public appearances, what would that song be? (laughs) I don't know if I'd have it played before a financial seminar, but one of my go-to songs that I used for my athletic competition was always, I'm a big Metallica fan. It was For Whom the Bell Tolls. All right. Well, what's your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? If everything goes well with my fitness business, I would probably retire and just spend a lot of time <laughs> with my wife and kids. And we'll talk about your fitness business here in just a minute, too. All right. The next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? You know what? If if we're talking stateside, I would definitely go to Montana, Wyoming, anywhere mountains. I'm a very big outdoorsman. And if we're out of the country, Italy, it's the homeland for me. So I would no question go to Italy. For sure. It's a great place to go. Next question. The bonus question is M&M's plain or peanut? I'm going to go plain, but with some popcorn would be the icing on the cake there. I gotcha. So let's talk about your fitness business real quickly. So tell us about the name, how you came up with it and what you do there. Sure. So the name of the business is it's Vitality. So for those that haven't been paying attention, my last name is Vitality. So it's really just a play on my last name. I've always been very, very passionate about health and fitness. It's something, you know, people ask, you know, oh, what are your hobbies? I almost never say lifting weights or fitness just because it's not a hobby to me. It's who I am. Back during, you know, the onset of the pandemic and and things like that, you know, obviously a lot of gyms were shut down and a lot of people were turning to social media to 
look for direction when it came to health and fitness. My football career was kind of winding down by that point. So I was looking, my, my thought on training kind of changed. It was more, I don't need to perform for football too much longer. So when I'm done, what am I going to do for longevity? And how am I going to stay fit and healthy once football is done when I don't have a specific goal or something I'm training for? And so I tried a lot of programs, basically found a lot of things that were Quite frankly, I thought way too expensive for what they actually offered. A lot of the social media influencer kind of fitness space was, in my opinion, filled with a lot of gimmicks, frauds, do this, and in six weeks, you'll be shredded. You know, it was a lot of that. And it it just really irked me as somebody who's been a consistent gym goer for the last 16 years of my life, that there was nothing really that I thought was beneficial for everybody. So I I basically sat down one day and made the decision, hey, I have a lot of valuable information that I've learned over the last, you know, however many years playing football. I've worked with the top professionals from athletic training, nutrition, strength and conditioning, sports science. I think it'd be fair to share that with people. And not only that, but my own experiences from trial and error, because I'm so passionate about it. And my main three goals and ultimately what it came down to was, hey, I, I want to create something that is A, comprehensive. I wanted to include specific workouts, nutrition, and then recovery modalities, functional mobility, correctives. So comprehensive. Number two was transparent. Everything you're reading in these programs is something I have done or I'm currently doing. And I follow all my own programs, which I think is very important. And lastly, number three was affordability. This is truly a passion project for me. This isn't my moneymaker in my life. I'm not getting by on this. I truly wanted to do it to help people that were looking for direction and looking for something comprehensive and transparent. So basically right now, it's if you buy it, you own it, it's yours. You can do it as many times as you want. And the cheapest one right now is $10. And that covers, I believe, eight weeks. The longest one is 23 weeks and that's $40. And again, you buy it, you own it, that's it. But that's kind of how it all started. It's truly a passion project. I didn't expect it to get as much traction as it did so quickly. And it grew faster than I, than I thought it was going to. So, you know, I think the next step now is app development and making the user experience a little more friendly and efficient. But there's opportunity for me to help people and change lives there as well, despite being a financial advisor by day. and basically personal trainer by night. <laughs> well, I love it because it's another way to serve and bring value. As you mentioned, something that you're very passionate about too. And so it's always a rewarding feeling when you're doing something you're passionate about and you know it's helping to make an effect, a positive impact on other people. Let people know where can they learn more about it. Sure. My website is vitalityllc.com. That's V-I-T-A-L-E-T-Y-L-L-C. I know, yes, it's spelled wrong, but it's spelled like my last name. You can learn more there. You can also follow me on social media. It's just my first and last name. Also just kind of started up the official page for Vitality itself. And everything will kind of be transitioning more to that. So feel free to follow that one as well. That's just Vitality LLC. But the website is a great start for you. If you're just curious and seeing how I train and kind of what I do on a daily basis, that's all on my personal page. And I try to stay pretty regular with updating that stuff. 
Perfect. And we will have all of those links in the show notes so people can check it out, subscribe or purchase it if you're looking for a fitness program to help kind of get you moving the ball when it comes to your health and well-being. And I know you're going to continue to bring value and do great things with your company as you continue on through 2023 and beyond. So as we're getting closer to the end of the show, Danny, let's talk a little bit about your football career. I feel like social media has been great in that it brings more visibility into players' lives as human beings. It highlights successes, the fun stuff, but it also is an opportunity for players to show the not so much fun stuff and just things that they go through being a professional athlete, which is very different than someone like myself who is an entrepreneur and in the business world. I don't have to worry about someone competing for my spot on a daily basis. I don't have to worry about being released from a team and packing up my entire life and having to move to another city on a moment's notice. So, I mean, there's a lot of things you get to see through social media that you might not have had visibility into before. When you look at your career, and I know that you went through many teams during your journey, I mean, what was that like? Share with us some things that people might not be familiar with going through that experience. I always told everybody since I was eight years old, I was going to, you know, play in the NFL. I was telling everybody. And eventually, you know, you get drafted and it's a, it's a very cool experience and it's amazing. But very quickly, you learn, you get brought back down to earth. You know, those who don't learn how to be a true professional and treat it like a job first and foremost in an organization, that's what it is, really struggle to, to catch on in places. And I learned very quickly how to be a professional in the sport of football. And I learned it from some very, very, very good players being Joe Thomas, you know, RG3, Josh McCown when I was in Cleveland and then in Green Bay, you know, and David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, Brian Balaga and, and guys like that. So I learned from some of the best and learned how to do it very quickly. But even when you do that, it can be tough to watch good players, you know, be, be cut at, at any point, even if they're playing good, good football. You know, maybe there's an injury at one position and they need to sign somebody else. So you see good players come and go and you eventually get a little cold to that, which sounds interesting. It's It sounds sad because, you know, we're obviously all kind of at the the height of our careers at that point. And, you know, you're being rewarded for it monetarily and things, but there's definitely lots of extreme highs and lows in that profession. And if you don't learn how to be a true professional, you don't handle it very well. I mean, you don't last very long. So the guys that I noticed that typically, whether they were jumping around to many teams or maybe they were on one team the whole time, the guys that had success and made their careers last longer, they found what they were good at and made sure the organization saw that, whether it was special teams, you added value, which is a big thing for me. That's what I did to extend my career. But also from a personality perspective, you don't want to be a yo-yo. You don't want to have high highs, low lows. You kind of just want to be even keel the whole time and not shut off emotionally, but you do have to look at it as a business first at times. And I think the guys who figure that out have longer careers. Oh, for sure. Now you also have a family and you know your wife is also in the sports industry to the Blackhawks. And so how was balancing having a family and having to move? I feel like that's something that's not talked a lot about is, you know, a player, if they get released from a team and they get picked up by another team, they're expected to go on a moment's notice. And if they have a family, well, the wife kind of has to pick up the pieces and kind of keep everything intact to move the family out because you as a player 
you got to go. There's no like, hey, give me 30 days. I'll be there next month, right? It's hop on a plane, whatever that next flight is going to be, and you have to report. So how is that like for your wife and just having to manage balancing a family as you guys were moving around? My wife, Kaylee, she worked for the Tampa Bay Lightning for about six years. So I always joke that she's has way more accolades. She has two Stanley Cups and to my zero Super Bowls. And we have the rings at home, but I was playing football, you know, six months out of the year, let's just say, and she was covering hockey six months out of the year. So we had a little bit of overlap, but then we had some time where, you know, I could go live in Tampa and while she was working, but during the football season, like she was never really around and it didn't really occur to me how tough that would be until we were married and, and pregnant with our first child, Bella. And that I, I will say ultimately was one of my like biggest regrets is this is something I think not a lot of people get insight to when you play in the NFL, but missed a lot of birthdays, missed a lot of holidays. But what I regret the most is missing too many funerals. One thing that still kind of bugs me to this day was when my wife was pregnant with our first. I hadn't seen her for about four months of that pregnancy. As most guys know, there's not much we can do during that stage. But not even being able to like be there during any of that. You know, I was at facilities from 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. some nights. And then the nights maybe I could talk, she was on the road with the hockey team. So those are definitely things overlooked often. But I, I didn't realize it, you know, for the first half of my career, to be honest with you. And then once you add families into the mix, ultimately that's what kind of led me to my decision to realize, hey, my career is winding down might be time to consider hanging it up relatively soon. For sure. And I appreciate you sharing that because it is not something that people think about when they think about pro athletes. They're like, oh, you make all this money. You have this contract. You you get to do all these cool, fun things that less than 1% of the population get to do. And so like, there's a price to that as well. There are sacrifices that come along with having that profession and that lifestyle as well. So I appreciate you sharing kind of the the struggles and the challenges of being an athlete and not being able to be around for all the other life commitments and life events that other people might be able to participate in and not really think much about. Would I trade the experiences I had for the world? Absolutely not. I loved everything about being in the NFL, everything about it. But I think it's important for people to know, like there are trade-offs, there are sacrifices you have to make beyond what people realize. Even if your family is with you, like, and you get traded or cut, like you mentioned before, like you do just have to drop everything and move. How many times are you ki- you're going to make your kids change school? Dad might be playing great football, but we have to move across country because the team needs somebody else or he got traded or it definitely takes a toll to a certain degree. Like there is a price to it, which is just something that I wanted to touch on a little bit, but would I trade it? Absolutely not. I loved everything about it. Oh, for sure. And it's important to see acknowledge all the great work that your wife and all the spouses of NFL players do as a support system to kind of keep the ball moving because there is a lot of sacrifice on the families as well to have an NFL career. So as we look to end the show, when you look back at your career, what was your most memorable experience playing in the NFL? I was very, very fortunate. Every team I had the opportunity to play for had incredible fans, unbelievable fans. And I'd like to just especially give a shout out to the fans in Cleveland and Green Bay specifically. I spent most of my time in those two places. And, you know, Cleveland, historically, as we all know, had kind of a rough go. And those people could not have been more generous or kind to me during my time there. From everybody at the gyms I trained at to 
you know, anyone who came to games or practices and supported me. And then in Green Bay, I still get up to Wisconsin quite a bit now, but not much going out in Green Bay. No offense, but those people, God, they bleed, you know, green and gold. So unbelievable fans. That's something I'll never forget. And I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, fans make a big difference. It's part of the reason why you make the sacrifices that you do. You've got such loyal fans that just start to support their team. And in Green Bay, there's a lot for them to be proud of. So I'm sure you had great times up there. Well, Danny, thanks so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure chatting with you. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Let me talk a little bit about my story and everything like that. I really appreciate it. Of course, my pleasure. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. Once again, if you have not already done so, make sure that you follow the podcast wherever you're listening so that you never miss a future episode. And also share the show with a few friends too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.